Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. It ain't the left side or the right side. Thank you, Solidy. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. And our Twitter handles, I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a PH. The Dolphins head in to this Week 9 matchup at Hard Rock Stadium, the 1-6 Jets, against the 0-7 Dolphins, noon central time, 1 Eastern. Temps expected to be in the high 70s, low 80s with a chance of rain. As far as injuries, and there are a lot of them on both sides of the ball, more so on the Jets' side. Xavier Howard was placed on IR this week. He'll be out for the rest of the year, hopefully to preserve him for 2020. Dolphins should be without center Dan Kilgore. Cornerback Ken Webster, safety Rashad Jones in this contest. Uh, as well as Jamarcus Webb, Avery Moss, Ryan Lewis, and Walt Aikens at questionable. On the Jets' side of the ball, they should be without quarterback Tremaine Johnson, inside linebacker C.J. Mosley, and former Dolphin Neville Hewitt. Center, Ryan Khalil, wide receiver Josh Bellamy, safety Rontez Miles, and left tackle Kelvin Beecham, a tight end Chris Herndon, and nose tackles McClendon are very questionable to play too. And they traded Quinnen Williams, or excuse me, excuse me, not Quinnen Williams, uh, Leonard Williams to the Giants this week and put Blake Cashman on IR. So a lot more time than usual to go through the injuries here this week. But Paul, the thing that really strikes me here is, you know, with how poorly the Jets have played the last few weeks and with how close the Dolphins have gotten to winning. With this game in Miami, the Dolphins are three-point underdogs. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be very interesting this week since we talked about the injury report to see if Sam Darnold tries to throw the ball to the ghost of Xavier Howard out on the field. I mean, <laughs> Lord, Lord, Lord knows we've been hearing reports that, and for those that, that, that don't know what I'm talking about, it, on a weird note, the Dolphins and Jets will not be mic'd up this week after Sam Darnold got publicly humiliated last week. Um following uh, his, his mic'd up quotes where he talked about seeing ghosts out on the field. Jacksonville Jaguars mascot dressed up as a ghost riding into the stadium last week. And basically with the Halloween theme, the Jaguars had ghosts all over their stadium for the Jets last week. So they just yeah. had to have a little little poke at that. But yeah, no, three-point underdogs. You know what? The Jets are a team that can come out and play kind of dominant and can come out and play – like they just want to be dominated. Um, it's very odd, and o- only Dolphins fans will understand because it's a Gase coach team, and it- it's 
they're doing Gase coached things and playing like a Gase coached team puts you in a position where some weeks you will look amazing for a minute and then others you just find those ways to lose in the most embarrassing fashion possible and that's what the, that's what's happening with the Jets this year he's he's quarterback whispering to Sam Darnold which can absolutely ruin a quarterback um and really, this is a team. This is a team that Miami has to play twice. That Miami is, and, and as weird as this quote sounds, in danger of winning at any time against a Gase coach team. Well, Adam Gase, if you look at the last several years with the Dolphins and the Jets, he, according to the New York Post, they they came away with this tidbit. Gase has more games where they where he's lost by double digits than ones that he's actually won, and that's not a surprise here this year because they lost to the Jaguars by fourteen, they lost to the Patriots by thirty three and sixteen, lost to the Eagles by twenty five, lost to the Browns by twenty, and lost barely in Week One to the Bills when they when they had Darnold there to start the year. So certainly not a great situation going on there with with the New York Jets. But it's it's popular to say for Dolphins fans, look, it's the Jets, and I always want the Dolphins to beat the Jets, and I'm sure you'll say that, Paul. Me personally, I want I I can't say with a straight face I I necessarily want the Dolphins to win this game, and here's why: if Miami wins here, they will head into Week Ten of the NFL season with the third pick in the draft, not first, not second, but third. Yeah, and you know. I'm weird, like, I, and I know I'm weird in, in in this. And you know, one one win does seem like an insurmountable total to get that number one overall pick the way that the, this year's shaping up. But I love the draft capital capital Miami has accumulated. I absolutely love the draft capital Miami has accumulated, and I look at it as <clears throat> let the chips fall where they may. Miami's going to have a top five pick no matter what. Just just play damn ball and see where the chips fall. You've got the ammunition to do the things you most likely want to do. And God forbid that they miss out on on Tua and Joe Burrow. If that's the case, they're probably picking third overall. And their consolation prize is Chase Young. Not a horrible thing to walk away with. Right now... As we sit here, and my mind might change here over the next several months, I either want Tua or Chase Young. That That's where I sit. I, Joe Burrow, what he's doing is impressive. I also see him as a pocket quarterback, and I'm not sure how a pocket quarterback is going to perform behind a 2020 Dolphins offensive line. But, yeah, I I like the draft picks Miami's accumulated, and I like some of these players that are stepping up on the roster too, like John Jenkins, like Vince Beagle. Taco Charlton's got four sacks in five games, even though he's bad against the run. We'll we'll get to the defense in a little bit. But, yeah, and Adam Gase, we have to talk about him this week because what he's done with the Jets has been nothing short of humiliating. I mean, even I said after the Jets took over, a lot of people were predicting, oh, gosh, just wait. Le'Veon Bell's not going to ever get the ball. Uh, Jamal Adams is going to be pissed. Uh, they're not going to do anything with Sam Darnold. Gase is a terrible coach. And I was the first one to say, I, I don't know if it's a terrible fit in New York with Adam Gase and with the New York Jets. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, this has been an absolute and utter dumpster fire where 
Le'Veon Bell, I think, what, had nine carries last week? They were talking about trading him before the deadline. And there was that whole thing with Jamal Adams where, first of all, I don't understand uh, how this even gets out to the media that the the Jets are considering trading Jamal Adams for a first and two second round picks. How, how do you get those details out to the media? And why does it always seem to be an Adam Gaze team that gets this information out to the media? Yeah, I'm with you. It's He is horrible. I mean, I look back at that Pats game two weeks ago, and yes, the Patriots have a very, very good defense this year. If I were Bill Belichick, with Tom Brady under center, I almost would have considered punting the ball on first down to run up the score and keep the Jets' defense off the field. It's You look at what the Patriots' offense was doing against the Jets, or Patriots' defense was doing. They were scoring at will against the Jets' offense. I would have kept the goddamn Jets' offense on the field the entire game and run it up 75 to freaking nothing. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. How bad do you have to be that, that the opponent's defense is outscoring your offense? Well, look at here the last two weeks for Sam Darnold. Two touchdown passes, seven interceptions, and he's taken nine sacks. And the Jets in those two games have scored a combined 15 points. So they're certainly not, not looking good here heading into this Dolphins matchup. So, But on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins, uh, they also struggle to put up points, as we both know. They showed signs of life in the first quarter last week, scoring 14 points here in the first quarter. But then the rest of the game did not score a point. And in the second half of games this year, the Dolphins haven't scored a single point in six out of these seven games. So certainly cause for concern on the Dolphins' offensive side of the ball, too. But one thing, Paul, is... What I noticed early in the Steelers game is they had a lot of success in throwing those slant passes to uh, Devontae Parker and mainly Preston Williams. I mean, Preston Williams is going up against Joe Hayden, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Had success there. I think going up against Daryl Roberts and Nate Hairston this week at the cornerback spot, that's a matchup the Dolphins can possibly take advantage of this week. It completely is. And one of the reasons why I think you can also have some success this week is as bad as the Dolphins offensive line has been, the Jets aren't a team that's accumulating sacks. And if you're taking Neville Hewitt out of the equation, it's even worse. Neville Hewitt has almost a third of the team's sacks and, and, and they've got less than 10. So this is not a team that's getting to the quarterback on a regular basis. If you're not getting to the quarterback that gives you a chance to pick the secondary apart, as we know, and, and it really gives Miami a chance to, to get the ball to Preston Williams on those quick slants, to get the ball to Devontae Parker on those quick slants, and to get Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson involved. That play call on Albert Wilson's touchdown last week, that play was just a thing of beauty and almost uncoverable. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think Miami could have a very, well, a, a very good day for them, a very decent day overall on offense this week. So, yeah, it's quite possible. And Mark Walton needs to bounce back this week, that's for sure, because it was not a good week for him. I mean, 11 carries, 35 yards, three catches, 19 yards, and a fumble that, that really iced the game. And 
you know, I know there wasn't a lot of room to holes to run through, but I saw at least two or three runs that I couldn't resist the urge to say Kenyon Drake busts that for 25 or 30 yards. And we saw that uh, here on Thursday night when Kenyon Drake had almost 200 total yards. Man, was that frustrating to watch. But good for him. Good for him going to a team that's get to actually get him out in space and, and use him more. And there's no better place to do that than a Cliff Kingsbury offense. So so good for Drake on that. But looking at the Dolphins, too, on offense, Mike Gesicki, just two catches for 10 yards last week. Wasn't a surprise to me. I said before the game in our, our pregame that going up against Mark Barron and, and Devin Bush, they cover a lot of area in the middle of the field. Not the case this week because the Jets are going to be without their top three inside linebackers, C.J. Mosley, Neville Hewitt, like you said, and they put Blake Cashman on injured reserve this year, who is looking like a pretty impressive rookie. So they're literally pulling people off the streets, kind of like the Dolphins, to play inside linebacker. Yeah, and that's such a critical position in any defense, let alone Greg Williams' defense. So you look at that, and you can definitely exploit some of those matchups. I'm hope. God, I can't believe they cut Nick O'Leary. I mean, I know he had that bad drop last oh, week, but... Yeah, well, you know, it's you look at the depth on this roster. One thing I'd like to see a little bit of this week is didn't we draft Chandler Cox in the seventh round this year? Didn't he look good in the preseason? Hasn't Miami struggled a little bit with with blocking? Might be nice to put a fullback on the field a, a few times this week. I don't know about you, but I, I, I mean, you, you get a fullback leading through against the fourth string inside linebacker, he should be able to get the job done. Typically, I'd say I don't want to fullback anywhere close to the, the roster anytime. But, yeah, I, I, I could see that this week given that matchup. Because uh, if you can get Chandler Cox in there, uh, create an additional blocker on the inside, yeah, maybe you can spring Mark, Mark Walton for a few runs. I just don't want to see Kalen Blage anywhere on the field. I just think this guy is basically a scarecrow running the ball. I mean, he, he shows nothing. I mean, he's big and he's fast, but he doesn't use it. So hopefully we see a lot more here of Mark Walton. Also, too, I don't know about you, Paul, but on the offensive line, I hope the Dolphins end up starting three rookies this week. And it's possible that it happens because left guard Michael Dieter will start, obviously. I still don't think he's playing well. At right guard, Shaq Calhoun should get the start. And with Jamarcus Webb out, maybe we see Jesse Davis kick back over to left tackle. It doesn't really matter where he plays a tackle anyway. And you start Isaiah Prince at right tackle. And so your starting line from left to right ends up being Davis, Dieter, Evan Bame, Shaq Calhoun, and Isaiah Prince. I'd be good with that. And one thing that should help a little bit as well, um, Foley Fadakasi is getting extensive reps at defensive tackle for, for the Jets. And the he is absolutely a monster in, in run defense, but he is so fat and slow he generates absolutely zero pass rush. And if, if you either do a five-step drop or a boot pass, he's not going to be anywhere near your quarterback. So you don't have to worry about that push up the middle with the Jets, especially given the fact that they've got, you know, fourth or fifth or whatever string inside linebacker. We've seen in Miami over the past few years what happens when you're pulling linebackers off the street. They suck. And, and you've got a guy like Foley Fadakasi in the middle that cannot push the middle of the pocket. You just can't move his big fat ass out of the way. So he's, he's good in run defense, but he's absolutely probably one of the worst in the NFL when it comes to pass rush. And 
that's the design of their defense, which is cool, but it should help at least generate a pocket for Fitzpatrick to pass from this week. Yeah, it, that's for sure. And losing Leonard Williams, trading him to uh, the Giants, he doesn't even have to switch states now, but it, it makes by far their, their best player, Quentin Williams. And even though Quentin Williams only has half a sack on the year, he is playing well. Uh, it's just in Adam Gase's character not to have him as a listed starter, but... Yeah, if if they can control Quinn and Williams and outside linebacker Jordan Jenkins, who's given the Dolphins fits in the past, that I think the Dolphins might be able to to move the ball here. They need to start out fast, running that ball downhill in order to to get that early lead. Because I don't know if the if this Jets team is capable of putting up the points that we've seen from you know the Patriots or even the Steelers of the past here against them. So on the defensive side of the ball, moving there. The pass defense had its best showing of the week last week. Um, yeah, I, I still was pretty impressed with how they played overall. I mean, Mason Rudolph was very shaken early in the game, and it's a shame that, you know, that, that late third and 20 touchdown allowed, allowed him to get his feet back under him and get some confidence. But the, the pass defense was fantastic last week in the, in the first half. And then in the second half, I mean, even though Mason Rudolph put up a lot of points and a lot of yards, I thought every catch that Juju Smith-Schuster made or, or anybody else there on the Steelers' offense, I thought it was very tightly contested. And, you know, you're putting some players out there like Chris Lamonts and like Ryan Lewis who don't have much – they don't have much experience, and, and we've got to see what we have with them this year, but – Xavier Howard's out for the year. Ken Webster, hopefully he comes back soon because he seemed to be getting better in, in every in every place. But, you know, the Dolphins need to be able in this game to get pressure on the quarterback without sending the house because that was the issue last week. They'd send the house. When the Steelers found it out, they would start to exploit that and use that against the Dolphins. So Vince Beagle and Taco Charlton, to me, need to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And we, we've got to see – continued acceleration there from those no-name defensive backs. We do. And on, on top of that, one of the matchups that we've really got to keep an eye on is over the past, God, feels like a decade, Miami has been very susceptible to bigger, slower tight ends with decent hands that, that seem to have a knack for just finding a spot that's open in the defense. And Really, the Jets have Ryan Griffin. That it's not a name that's going to be a Pro Bowl name. It's not a name that's going to be a scary name for most people. But he is absolutely right in that mold, that Anthony Fasano style mold, where he's not the fastest guy on the field by by any stretch. You watch him run; he catches the ball, and he shouldn't be open. And then he shouldn't get the thirty yards after the catch. But no one seems to be anywhere near him until he's 30 yards downfield after he catches the ball. And, and, and Ryan Griffin is very much in that mold. Anybody that's listened to our show for a long time knows I talked about him as a possible undrafted free agent target for the Dolphins because he kind of fit that Fasano mold. He's not the greatest on the field, but he's one of those guys that's just going to get open and make plays. You can look back at the Jags game last week. He was probably one of the only ones on the Jets offense making plays. So Miami really has to shadow him with a Guavin and, and, and Jerome Baker this week or even one of the safeties just to, make, just to cover up that security blanket that seems to get open for, for the Jets. Yeah, Ryan Griffin is one of those players that is, exemplifies perfectly. He and Darren Waller, I look at as two guys. Why, 
if I'm a GM, I, I don't think I'd ever draft a tight end high, and I would never sign one for a lot of money. Because it seems like they just these guys just have to fit into that role, where either they're really experienced and can find the soft spot in the zone, like Ryan Griffin showed last week, or they're these converted wide receiver types, uh, these big type wide receivers like Darren Waller. But Ryan Griffin, 6'6", 255 pounds. Last week he had four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Looks looked very good and looked good for the Texans for a while too, but they cut him because of an injury. So, you know, he caught 50 passes in, in 2016. So it's not like he hasn't been productive in the league. And yeah, I think that is probably the biggest matchup the Dolphins have to worry about in the passing game because Demarius Thomas may not play and, and in the other spots, Robbie Anderson, he may be able to burn you for for a deep one, but down to down, he's not very consistent. Jamison Crowder's the opposite. He may catch kind of four catches for 30 yards throughout the game. I, you know, remembering how Adam Gase used to use Jarvis Landry, I'm sure Jamison Crowder's a wet dream for him at the wide receiver position. But yeah, I mean, Ryan Griffin, shockingly, may be the one I'm I'm scared most about in this game, not Le'Veon Bell, not Sam Darnold, not Jamison Crowder, not Robbie Anderson. I'm with you. It's, he is just a bright and shining example. Like I said, of, of what has eaten the Dolphins lunch. I mean, you look back at the Ravens game this year and the way, uh, what's his face there? Um, Mark Andrews for, Mm -hmm. for the Ravens absolutely slaughtered the Dolphins in that one. And, Ryan Griffin's very much in the same similar mold as a Mark Andrews type. And the Dolphins already showed this year that they didn't have an answer for that. Hopefully, defensive genius that we have can find an answer for him this week. Because, God, it, it's, I don't care if you have to put you know Bobby McCain and, and Jerome Baker on him. Like, Cover his ass. Like, don't let a big slow guy be the one that kills you on a team that's got Levy and Bell and you know Robbie Anderson. <clears throat> don't let that be what kills you. Yeah, and, and you know we shouldn't get carried away with Griffin. He's got four. He had four catches last week for sixty six yeah. yards. But I thought physically he looked the part, and and that's what I'm going to keep an eye out here for this week. Um, also, one player that to me really needs to step up is first round pick. Christian Wilkins. You know, I don't think he's played poorly bad by any means. I'm not going to dog him for getting thrown out of the Bills game anymore because, you know, I, I do think that was a one-time thing. But you look at the other players drafted, the, the three defensive players drafted behind him. You've got Brian Burns, who's a defensive rookie of the year candidate. You've got Dexter Lawrence, his college teammate at Clemson, who's looking much, much better for the Giants. And Jeffrey Simmons gets back on the field last week for the Titans earlier than expected and looks better than all of them. So, yeah, I mean, Christian Wilkins needs to step up this week. You mean Brian Burns, the one that we both wanted for the Dolphins in our mock draft? leading up to the draft. I'm just double-checking. It's the same. I'll tell you, I, I will about. say this. You did. I went back and forth. I went from really wanting him to seeing a lot of bad tape on him at Florida State, and I think I overthought that. And actually, funny story is uh, Brian Burns is, I think, his brother on Twitter, after I said that, uh, pointed out some bad tape, uh, started going after me. So uh, 
<laughs> Brian Burns' brother, whatever your name is, or father, I don't, I don't know. Somebody in his family, though, is it was obvious by his Twitter handle was somebody in his family, and I think it was his brother. Uh, good start for Brian Burns. I can admit so far that I'm that I'm wrong here. I mean, he looks like a hell of a player, but yeah, this look, Christian Wilkins again, I think is a good player, but the Dolphins did not draft a player like him so that they could wait three or four years for him to be productive. He needs to be productive no. now, and he's he's okay, but. We need to see some sacks. We need to see some plays in the backfield from Wilkins because when you look at the Dolphins' run defense this year, especially over the last three weeks, I've been very disappointed. I thought this was a unit we could hang our hat on. And even though Raekwon McMillan's doing well against the run and Davin Gotcha largely is too, Wilkins, we need to see a little bit more of that because over the last three weeks, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, and James Conner combined averaging 5.57 yards a carry against the Dolphins run defense. Yeah, I'll be honest, like if you're not going to be good at run defense, be good at pass rush and we haven't really seen either out of him yet. I mean, he's he's doing okay, like you said, but you know, when you're taken ahead of a guy like Brian Burns or, you know, some of these other guys in the first round and you're taken with as much uh hoopla as 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 Christian Wilkins was, yeah, you want to come in, make a big show about how you're coming in to try to change the perception of the Dolphins and change the face of the franchise and be the face of the franchise. Do something. Do something yeah. well, not just okay. Like, it's, I mean, if he was just this mountainous run stuffer that, you know, basically you, you plant in the middle of the line and you can't run up the middle, awesome, great. You know, but your build is a hyper-athletic big man and we haven't seen it yet. No, we, we haven't have seen no, it yet. We and, haven't. And, yeah, it, Dexter Lawrence at 6'4", oh, yeah. 350 pounds. I mean, he's got three sacks this year. He is that mountainous big man. And the whole thing was Lawrence may have taken a little bit more time to develop where Wilkins was more ready to come in and play. So not a bust by any means. I mean, Charles Harris is a player that has gone completely silent, oh, has continued to get worse. But he was never good from the beginning. And Wilkins has at least shown more ability than that. We'll give him that so far. Now, let me ask you this, Kat. Would you rather have Wilkins starting tomorrow or this weekend? Or would you rather have, say, Vincent Taylor starting this weekend? Uh, no, I, I'd go with Wilkins. I mean, I, I got to say that Vincent Taylor, I don't think, fit into this defense. I, I do agree with Flores on that decision. And... You want to take a look at where he is now. He's not on a 53-man roster. He is on the Bills practice squad. So 32 NFL teams agreed that Vincent Taylor should not be on their on their 53-man roster. I find that pretty hard to believe, that he can't yeah. fit into one defense. But, no, he didn't show it to here this preseason. Um, and, yeah, I, I think the rest of the league and the team has spoken on that. Fair enough. I mean, it's I just – I look at the special things he was starting to do last year before he went down with an injury, both in run defense and as far as a pass rusher and somebody who can block some damn kicks. So, you know, whether he, to me, you mold the defense around the players you have. Um, typically, typically, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. And, and, I, and I am very surprised that, yeah, we did see him make, he, he was one of the defensive tackle, probably the only defensive tackle we've seen in the last five years that actually overperformed and made yeah. plays in the backfield when we didn't expect it. I mean, we look at, uh, you know, Sue was great, but uh, uh, like the Earl Mitchells and 
and the Akeem Spences and, and Jordan Phillips. I mean, these guys constantly disappointed in this defense every single year. Vincent Taylor actually came to play. but So we'll, we'll see if to he gets fair, on the active Matt, roster at some point. To be fair, over the past few years, Matt Burke disappointed with his defensive scheme on the whole. So we didn't really, really get the chance to see anybody put in position to succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, so it, when you look here at the Dolphins – defense as we continue to go along and way way too early we're seven months away from the draft gosh i wish it were next weekend but it's not job i mean to me with the dolphins uh in row defense and pass defense it's so hard for them to get pressure on the quarterback when they're not sending the house and that that's a shame and in run defense they because they can't set the edge well they they have pretty soft corners for those running backs to run through and they can't get into the backfield to make plays a lot. That's where Chase Young could be so advantageous here to this defense. So, Cat, so, I just realized we, we haven't even touched on the Akib Tlaib trade, um, and, and I think we should. Yeah, yeah. We So Akib Tlaib, basically the Dolphins bought a fifth-round pick. That's, that's pretty much the end of it there. I, I don't think – I'd be – look, I'd be very surprised if Tlaib – were activated in the in the last few weeks of the year, maybe as a tryout. But do you really need to try out Akeem Talib, who's you know 34 years old and a 12 year veteran in a defense that he's pretty familiar with? So overall, I liked the trade of just basically spending a four what four and a half million dollars to eat that that salary cap, and now the Dolphins might have a fourth, fifth round pick and 11 picks in the first five rounds of the draft. Completely. And to me, it is worth the tryout because by all accounts, you watched Akeem Tlaib play before he got hurt, and he just can't run anymore. You know, yeah. so it's see, 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 put him out there. If he can't run anymore, you just helped your tank purposes for, for the earlier draft pick. If he can, at least you know that he's kind of recovered and, and, and might be able to do something to help you out next year. And you know either way. I mean, figure out whether whether or not you need to cut him, and then you can just make your decisions as to when to cut him that's most advantageous for your cap purposes. My opinion on Akeem Tlaib is that he'll never play it down as a Dolphin. But if he does, I wonder if he's if, if it's in the cards for him to be a uh, safety because he's been in the all-around league that. a while. He's, uh, he's obviously, like you said, Paul, he can't run very well. He's, he's a step slow, but he is big. He can tackle. He does have experience. And this is a defensive team that has shown a lot of success in, in turning cornerbacks into safeties. You will look at Eric Rowe now for as bad he was, as he was a cornerback. I think he's played well at safety over the last couple of weeks. He has, and, and, and calling him a bad at cornerback is almost a compliment that is, that's undeserved. He, he was absolutely abysmal, but he's actually done really well since they converted him. And, you know, it, it's as much as people don't like the Bobby McCain experiment, he does continue to improve at the position each week. He's not by any means going to make the Pro Bowl, but not every player will on a defense that's successful. You just need people that do good and do their job. And Bobby's been doing that in spades. Do I like him better at nickel? Yeah, probably. But you know what? I also like having him on the field. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. So, Paul, uh, we we've been kind of all around on the show today. It's been a been a great preview here, heading into Jets week. What is your prediction for this game against the Jets this Sunday? Well, I'm going to hide behind something heavy before the tank brigade starts throwing things at me. But I just think Sam Darnold is too much for the Jets to overcome. 
in this one. And Adam Gase is too much for the Jets to overcome in this one. Uh, I do think Miami splits with the Jets this year, and it makes me sad that, that I, I'm going to say say this here because I'm going to the other Jets game. But I think Miami actually pulls this one out this week, and, and mainly because I think Sam Darnold gives up a couple touchdowns on offense. And I'm going to go with a weird score here, 23-13, to 13, Miami. Yeah, to- yeah, that's that's kind of what what I was thinking. Uh, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. I, I look at you know everything that happened with Jamal Adams this week, and sometimes when he has a week like that, he just comes out and balls just like he did when the the Jets upset the Cowboys. But mm-hmm. I, I could see that. But no, I'm going to go Dolphins twenty to seventeen, and I think this is the first time I'm going to predict them to win in about the last ten or eleven weeks. So I'm going to go twenty. Might be the last time. <laughs> Did I predict him? No, no, I didn't predict him. When, no, so it, might, it might be the last time this year. Oh, 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 yeah. I misheard you on that. It might be. I, maybe. Uh, it, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. So, But I'm going to say a, a last-second Jason Sanders field goal here. And I'll throw a specific prediction in there. I'm going to say Mike Gesicki catches his first touchdown here in his second year as, as a pro. So that will bring well. – Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to throw my own prediction in here. I think Jerome Baker catches his first touchdown as a pro. So oh, we'll go with that, too. No, no. J- Jerome, Jerome Baker had a touchdown last year in Miami against the Jets. Ah, damn it. All right, well, I, ca- I guess he catches his second touchdown from the Jets then in this game. So good, good flashback on that. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that part out if you want, or you can keep it. Uh, so that, No, we're keeping it. We're keeping okay, it. Okay. I don't care. That's, bi- that's big of you. I, I make mistakes. I make mistakes. So go ahead and roast me in the comments, folks. I, I, I don't. So uh, anyway, uh, the, the, uh, I'm just <laughs> the, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening here. And, uh, yeah, please leave us some comments in, in the YouTube. Paul and I are getting better at, at getting to those, but lately it hasn't. Um, we'll, we'll continue to get better, but we do really appreciate the support from everybody here. And yeah, please let us uh, let us know some questions you might have as these weeks go on, especially draft and free agency questions. That will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins Jets matchup here on the Fin side. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. I'm Brian Cat, NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick with a ph and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side it's on the fin side solo d take us home it ain't the left side or the right side and it must be the fin side it ain't the left side or the right side and it must be the fin side dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what brian cat and paul about to do